So only um, Jay Papernick would I get up really early. I mean, although most people would make fun of me that I find this very early. So we won't actually say what time it is. But, right. Um, I have Jay um, Papernick back from Asante Wealth Management to talk about RSP season, which is around the corner. Um, we were supposed to have you a couple weeks ago, but things got in the way. But so thank you very much for making the time. Thank you for I having me. I don't know what episode it is, but uh, we're almost at 50, believe it or not. And um, you've been on a few times. So I feel like you're our resident financial advisor now. There you go. Yes, I think I'd, I'd like to consider myself that. Do I get a T-shirt yes. is the question. Yeah, we could make T-shirts. Okay. Um, now we just have to get one of your clips to go viral and have horrible comments if you we could do that you, easily if i just let you loose i know I right know. if you just send the bloopers from the last one i think um i think we'd be fine oh my god that made the rounds that made yeah. the rounds okay so um i want to talk rsp season i want to talk rsps in general um yep. because i think that they affect people in all stages of life and everything that i do in my job um, touches people in every single walk of, like, at part of their adult life, right? So right. from renting their first place to selling before they move into a retirement home, um, and RSPs, you know, can play a part in that if you um, pay into it. Correct. So what's an RSP, Jay? What? Let's just start there for all the people. Start at the basics, are. because I think people people get confused with what these things are. So RRSP stands for Registered Retirement Savings Plan. It is a bad name for the account because it's Why? not saving. So the idea was that you're going to save tax, right? You don't actually save tax. You defer tax. Eventually, you have to pay tax on the money. So you write a check for however much you want to put into your RRSP before the deadline, which this year is February 29th. It's a leap year. Um, so it's the it's the end of, you know, it's nine days from now or whatever it is. You yeah. put your money in. You get a receipt for that. That deducts from your income this year. Or in right. fact, for last year, up to this deadline, you can have it apply for last year. So you want to put 10 grand in, it will be as if you made $10,000 less last year. Great. Except, so everybody gets a receipt. And then what happens is they're young. They build up these large portfolios. The money that sits inside an RRSP can grow tax-free. We invest it for you. Everything works out great. Hopefully stuff goes up over time, um, which it generally does. Although, you know, depending on the, the time frame and all the rest of it. Flash forward 20, 30, 40 years, you actually are forced to take it out. RSPs turn into RIFs when you turn 71 years old. Okay, so when so you're hold on, hold on, hold yes. on, back up for everybody. What's a RIF? So a RIF is a registered retirement income fund. So okay. a RIF is the is the mature the maturation of an RSP. So, okay, so you just automatically automatically flips into the same speak, account. You don't speak to your financial advisor about you it. You should. Not. I mean, look, you should speak to your financial advisor. You should be planning for it well in advance. Many yes, people but don't. It's nothing that you do. Like it just no. automatically moves. It's a over it's a government legislated activity. You you must your RSPs must turn into a RIF before you turn 72. So in the year that you turn 71, your RSPs, if you don't speak to your financial advisor, will automatically turn into an RRIF into a RIF. Um, okay. And then starting in the year that you're 72 years old, the government makes you take a certain amount of money out every year. So the idea okay. is, and, and you pay tax on that money. Okay. So we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, okay. Yes. So RSPs is basically, I, I, I mean, I always understood it a gazillion years ago that this idea that the government was creating this, you know, incentive to get Canadians to, and they have their version in the U S don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, to, 
save for their own retirements. Correct. Because there were generations before that did not do that. And Correct. there's not enough CPP, et cetera. Um, and, and what's interesting is, so the idea is, is that in retirement, those people who've built up those savings would make less in retirement, which means when they take the money out, they're paying less tax. So you get a tax break on the way in, but you pay tax on the way out. That's an RRSP. Right, but you're at a tax, well, they assume you're at a different tax You're bracket. at a lower tax bracket in retirement, so it should cost you less. Now okay, the challenge so is, is that governments over over the last over yeah. the last 50 years governments have only raised tax rates for decades. So by the time the average 40-year-old is 70, chances are taxes are going to be higher, not lower, and they're going to need more income. So sorry, honestly, and we talk about this. Um, it's a challenge. You know, full visibility. You are my financial advisor, but yeah. I, I always find no matter where the government comes in and stands on the hill and plants their flag and says, look at what we're going to offer, you know, it ends up long term, not really helping out. So on that note, I'm, I, you know, I have spoken to a lot of first time buyers who rely on some of their down payment coming from RSPs. Yes. Again, you hear from your bank in the beginning of February, you hear from your financial advisor, you hear from the government, it's RSP season, you know, everybody get their money in. And initially, uh, there's a perspective that at a certain younger age, there's a lot of reason to put money into that and defer it into your RSP if you're yep. a responsible, obviously, investor. Um, but it's also in the hope to be a homeowner for the first time. Correct. So, you can take, um, as we just discussed, $35,000 maximum out of your RSPs to put towards your first home. Tax-free. So Tax-free, tax but it's out. a loan to yourself. Right. You right? So you have off. to pay it back. So you can take $35,000 out. And if it's a couple, if there's, if there's two, if there's like spouses, each, each, couple, each of the couples can take $35,000. So you can get $70,000 out of each of your respective RSPs. For the uh -huh. first two years, you don't have to pay it back, but starting in year three, you have to start to pay it back over 15 years, one fifteenth every year for 15 years. Which is really, so first of all, both spouses would have to be on title also. Like that's, it's not just like, oh, we're married, one person's going to do it, so the other person has that. So yep. both have to be on title, both have to buy the home. Um, and again, you know, and I feel this way, we can talk about the TSFA as a, a difference to the RSP. FSA. To, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Is, should we go back to Carhartt about how I thought that? Yeah, but we won't. It's for yeah. cars? No. It's for cars. Yeah. Yeah. No. So anyway, um, I digress. But I also think that it sounds like a really great idea, but then you have to think to yourself, if I'm a first time home buyer and I can get a mortgage for under a million dollars with less than 20% down. Depends um, on the yeah, rate. It depends on lots. There's lots are, of there's lots of ways there where it may or may not work for them. So it really well, I think it requires advice. It requires advice. I think advice. if you're outside Toronto or outside Vancouver, you have a very good chance of using this towards. I think the reality yep. is is that where agree. the majority of people live in urban settings um seventy thousand dollars towards whatever's going to buy you at five hundred thousand dollars is not going to fit a couple right right it's, only a, it's a drop in the bucket it's not enough so you're still going to need more money you're still going to need more money but i would say that for you know the average 
couple or person, let's say person, who's looking to find ways to put together money to be a homeowner, RSPs. And again, what we didn't mention was that the government also contributes towards your RSPs. Does it not? Or is that, am I getting RSPs? Not really, no. But I mean, you get a tax credit. (laughs) You get a, so you get a tax slip for making your contribution. So in the sense, in that sense, they do, right? Because you're getting a tax credit. You're getting, you're paying less tax because you put that money into an RRSP. Everybody forgive me. I have children in university and I'm thinking about the RESPs. R-E-S-P's, correct. Yes. So listen, so let me give you a quick, there's four accounts, okay? There's actually five that we're going to talk about. RRSPs, it's the long-term retirement savings plan. When you get old, er, they turn into RRIFs or RIFs. So RSPs turn into RIFs. Done. That's retirement planning. TFSAs are tax-free savings accounts. That's, That's the thing where you don't get a receipt for putting the money in, but you also don't have to pay any tax on the way out. So right. there's, there's nothing in, nothing out, but it grows tax-free. So those are really to simple and straightforward. Extent, to a maximum. To a maximum. But the maximum is pretty big now. So last year, the maximum you could put in annually was 7000 I think over lifetime right now, it's over 90000 So again, if it's a couple, there's about 180000 or more that you could collect in TFSAs that you could take out at any time. That's another account. Then our friend Justin created a new account called the FHSA, the first time home saving, the first home savings account. Um, <laughs> he's your friend. Uh, yeah. So they set this up in the idea of making, you know, home affordability being a, probably an election issue, right? So they wanted to say, okay, we're going to have to help these people out. So we're going to create this account, this FHSA. You can put $8,000 a year in and up to a maximum of $40,000. And it's the same idea. It can grow tax-free and then you can take it out towards the purchase of a home. Uh, it's got a lot of, I mean, I, I always joke, you know, whenever a government comes out with a new program, wait a couple of years, cause they'll figure out what they did wrong and they'll change the rules on you. Right. So today the rules are the way they are. I would bet in the next few years, they're going to change the rules. Sorry. And, and when you say what they did wrong, it means how it benefited the public and how they lost. <laughs> I mean, they're not ever really like fine tuning it to make it. Listen, this is my perspective. I understand from an investment perspective when you talk to people about investments every single day all of these things in theory sound great okay but we're also talking about and again i'm in the toronto market when people are watching this they may be watching from the u.s they may be watching um you know from different parts of canada israel yes yeah um my other home but I, i would say my my lens is the toronto market and when they come out with these you know programs it all sounds great in theory but i don't have young professionals who are trying to put money together or talking to their mortgage brokers and they're talking to their financial planners and they're trying to go from their first condo to their you know their next home or they're having kids no one is sitting around going where should I put all my extra money? Should I put it into my RSP? Should I put it, you know, let's just max them all out, you know? And that is really where it comes down to. Like I have a client who is sitting and listen, he should be incredibly proud of himself. He owns a condo. There are people that wish they owned a property. um, And and he's, you know, getting married and they're trying to figure out what their next step is. And he needs to use the equity in his condo to move up. Correct. And 
it's not like, oh, you know, like I've got all this extra money and he's worrying about job security. He works in the tech industry. He's been, you know, he's had to be laid off before. Very bright guy, very educated. Like this is, this is the reality. And I think that RSPs are great. I think they're the most, and I think that that's kind of like, to me, the one that I feel is most useful to focus on on this, this episode, because it's tried and true. I think that people can hold on to it. They can take it out. There's they're a not going to change the rules on you next year. Like I think it's you're not going to change the rules on you. I don't. I think it's not that shiny new toy. Like I said, like I think they've come out with I a agree. couple of them. They're trying to come up with ways to make home ownership more possible. And I got to tell you, nothing the government is going to come out with, including telling us they're going to build more homes, is going to happen. Right. So no, I would, t- okay, I would so tell you it's interesting though because I think you hit the nail on the head on one thing that I think most people don't automatically so automatically <laughs> recognize. I mean, like I hate to yeah. say this, but I think you're actually right. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's great to have a program where you can put ninety grand, ninety some odd thousand dollars into a TFSA and forty grand here and maximize a, an a, an RSP there. But when they charge so much tax on people's income. They have much less money left over to do all these things with. So, you know, we found that in our in our end of the business as well. We have, you know, couples at different stages of life. And when they become, uh, you know, a little bit more well off in terms of their income, they realize that their taxes chase them. Right. So what's what's interesting is you can make 100 grand and you can make 150 grand. And by the time you're done with your deductions, your net's not all that different. Um, so, you know, it's the net that you need to put that eight grand here and that 20 grand here and that 50 grand there. So at the end of the day, I think the best thing, I mean, look, I, I'd like to run for politics. Um, and you know, if anybody wants to write me in as a candidate, I'd happily come back as president of Canada or something along those lines. But, um, you know, it's, that's a new position. I think we should, we should consider doing it. Um, but the truth is the, the best thing they could do to make homeownership of it more available to the masses is to lower taxes, but they'll never do that. Right. And by the way, I think that goes for all parties. Nobody's lowering taxes so quickly. Um, no, but I they also, want the money. Like, not to digress. Like it's the same thing I feel about, you know, look at Toronto. They just increased the, the property tax. Yeah. Again, almost by uh, by double digits. Um, and, you know, they want to stand on their soapbox and talk about how they're going to make homeownership affordable. Right. Income tax, without a doubt, is crippling Canada. I mean, let's just put it out there. Like, not, and, and this is not necessarily a a liberal versus conservative, but the reality is, is that we are seeing an exodus of people leaving Canada because it is becoming an unaffordable country. You are looking at, you know, and I've been saying this for years. Like, Toronto's only really coming into its own. People are like, the prices—they're going to come down. The bubble. No, I mean, if you look at most cities around the world. New York, London, Paris, Tel Aviv. Who can afford to live in these major cities? No one can afford to live in those cities. And Toronto is going to become that. The question is now, you know, how do they make it affordable to live in the rest of the country is a whole other story. Okay, so. And that's where I think these programs are more relevant. I think, you know, outside of the GTA, 80 grand here and 70 grand here and 35 there. Those numbers are real. That's real money to a lot of people. It's just not necessarily in the Toronto market. For sure. I mean, not to digress, but I saw a beautiful villa in Tuscany. It was in a small village for only 185,000 euros. I mean, 
Yeah. I can't use my RSPs, but I'll go live in Tuscany. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, and it yeah. was great. It was like, the guy was like, it's close to a restaurant. <laughs> right. Right. Right, right. We can all just go live in a village in Tuscany. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and how much can you put, okay. Someone's like, okay, I'm starting my first job. I mean, I had my kids meet with you guys, you know, understanding compound interest and what that, you know, listen, if yep. you start contributing to your RSPs, you know, as soon as you're a certain age and you 18. max it out every year, um, and I would say if, you know, there were kids, I don't think there's any kids listening to my podcast, but if there are, and you think, okay, I'm going to stay at home for a while and I'm going to save my money. Do you put, do you max out your RSPs? Cause you don't have to pay rents, you know? So it's that's a tough, a question. it's a tough call. It's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, so first of all, in terms of the limits, you can put 18% of your earned income into an RSP in any given year, uh, up a to a maximum. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad number. And for for young kids, you know, if they're going to use it either for home purposes or for just long term retirement plans, for a thousand, if you can put a thousand dollars into an RSP when you're 19 years old and not have to touch it for 40 years, and it grows tax free inside that account for 40 years, that's a huge upside in terms of your retirement. Um, even if you need to pull out 35 grand at some point for a home buyer's plan and pay it back and all the rest of it, it's really not a bad place to start. Um, but it really depends on that particular kid's circumstance in terms of how quickly they think they want to own a home. Um, maybe that first-time home savings plan is a little bit more interesting to them at the beginning. It depends on how much they make. So you, it really takes it takes a, a little bit more of a longer conversation. But yeah, I I you know we we've started to tell kids and friends, childrens, and all the rest of it about RSPs as early as possible because if they ever want to stop working, uh, and you know you know you're not going to be able to rely on the government at some point. Um, you're right. going to need to fund it yourself, and that's an RSP. So at Which the end of the of day, people, that's still a valuable thing to do. I mean, I think that I, I think that at that age, most people are not thinking about their retirement for sure. But oh, for sure not. Oh, for sure not. Right. Listen, and if they, they have an extra two thousand dollars, they're they're painting their car or going on vacation. Um, painting their car. That's an yeah. interesting place to go. Actually, it's using the it's using the those wraps where you can make it like a camouflage. Like that's very cool. By the way, you said that young people, young people don't watch it. It's because we don't talk enough about wrapping cars. Like I'm in, I'm in I, should, I was thinking, I was thinking about that, yeah. not to disparage anyone, but you know, those agents that like wrap their cars with their face on it. Yep. You should totally do it on the hood. I knew, I need to see a Rachel Levy yeah, hood right on the front. So on I think it'd be great. So I think it would be amazing. So, um, for people who are listening, who are, you know, thinking about retirement, um, you know, they've contributed to RSP. It's part of their portfolio. They think about, um, you know, okay, we're going to right size. We're going to sell our house. We're going to move into whatever we're going to move into. Yep. What is that age where you're like, I'm going to start considering my RSPs now? assuming obviously it's over 65 but like where is that trigger point that you would say this is when you start you know pulling it out of the account so we have, and paying taxes on it it's really interesting we we have some people who will do it at quite earlier age like much before 71 as well so we'll have people who do it in their early 60s because they want to draw some of that income down and they're not making as much money um you know you if you turn your RRSP into an RRIF and this is a bit of a tax tip so it's an interesting mm -hmm. one you know, follow us here income 
Income from an RRIF, from a RIF, is considered pension income and can be split between spouses. So let's say you have one spouse that's making a lot more money than the other. You can start to take money out of your RIF and have it attributed, some of it anyway, to your lower income earning spouse. And that can actually even things out. So there's some really interesting tax play that you can do with some of those accounts. And we have clients who quite often will start to draw down that money, not to live on, but just to pay the tax now because they think they're going to have to pay more tax later. So it's it's interesting in terms of they don't actually need it. They're just going to pay the tax now, continue to invest the difference in a regular investment account, but pay your taxes now. And then when they're in their 70s and 80s, they have a they have a already paid for tax portfolio that they can then draw on and it's much less tax because it's only the growth from that point forward. So oh, it's a really interesting. interesting. There's a few good strategies there in terms of that that kind of that demographic that's probably 60 plus um, that should start to take a look at RRSPs and figure out their tax brackets and figure out if it makes sense to draw them down early or not. Right. Um, or later, depending or on later. Like it could be it could make yeah. sense to just keep them as long as you need to. Uh, most people right. do that, by the way. Most people do end up keeping them longer than earlier. Um, right. But uh, it sometimes Surprisingly, it makes more sense to just hit bite the bullet and pay the tax now. Huh. That's very interesting. I think most people think like, okay, well, just at a certain age, it gets tipped off and they start yeah, taking it. just rolls it over and it just gets done. But you don't, you, right. you can control that timing more if you like. Okay. And do you still think that that is one of the best? I know you have so many levers to pull in the sense of investment for retirement, but from just an easy, like, as I always call it, like the simple back dress, like where you start as your basis, like if you're yep. doing nothing else. Yeah, I think RSPs are the first place you look. I agree. Like, I think the RSPs are the first place you look. But again, I think it's it's really interesting to take a look at an account like an RRSP and make sure you understand the other side. So, you know, people work their whole lives. They work for 30, 40 years in a career. And every year, if they're you know, good savers, and we try to encourage everybody to be good savers, if they're good savers, they'll put money into an RSP and they'll just kind of do it diligently. And then you give it to an investment guy and we invest it for you. And we talk about returns, right? So in my world, we talk about how is your RSP doing? What are, what are we investing inside your RSP? What are you buying bonds, stocks, mortgages, GICs right. or whatever? We don't, we don't, and I think to the, to the disadvantage of those people who don't think about it, we don't talk enough about what happens when you need the money, right? So it's, it's, it's not necessarily about your rate of return. It's your rate of return after tax. And there's a very big difference between your rate of return and your rate of return after tax. So, you know, what are you netting versus what are you grossing? It's great that you made 30% of the stock market last year, but if you're paying 50% tax on that, you made 15 right so it, it it pays to plan your taxes not just your investments so rsps are a great place to start but when it comes to retirement planning i i believe that taxes need to play a much more central role than i think most people uh tend to think about when they talk about yeah. their retirement because they're really focused on the performance of an investment as opposed to their overall big picture so uh, you know i guess it's an advertisement for you know good financial advisors i know a few uh, if you need a referral to any, but uh, but the truth is, you know, good financial advisors aren't just talking to you about what's hot in the market right now. They're talking to you about what you do over the long run and the market well, does what the market will do. I agree with you. And we've said this before is, uh, you know, a good financial advisor is not selling you anything. It's taking, it, you know, and I've said this to many young clients that I've, you know, that I speak to, it's, you know, when you go to buy a home, because it is part of your investment, listen, it's four walls, you need somewhere to live, but there is at the bottom line, you know, is this the right time for you to do that? 
you know, do, do the number because I can like I can tell you, is this this property makes sense? Is it you know, will it do I see it invest, you know, being a good investment for you? I can t- share with you how to buy it, how to negotiate. I can connect you with a mortgage broker who will tell you if you can afford it right now. But that's also right. based on, as we know, banks will uh, want to sell you. Right. They want to sell you a line of credit. All of those mortgages are a product. Line of credits are a product. Everything, a savings account is a product. They're all no products. different than a car on a lot to a bank. Yep. So they're always going. I've had clients a million times who said to me, I can appro- I get approved for this, but I'm going to spend this because they just don't feel comfortable based on, you know, long term or whatever it is. Believe me, during right. COVID, a lot of people did not listen to that. But if you were going to sit with a more you're going to sit with a financial advisor, you'd say, well, the bank gave me this much money. You would look at it and go, OK, but Rachel, what if rates rise? Right. Or, or, Right. And and knowing what you've got back here and knowing what your income is and knowing what your portfolio and what about the money that you're putting into your RSVs and what about the money that, you know, I think that it's a holistic approach to, you know, your financial health. And people think that they should not call a financial advisor until they have hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest. And that yeah, is just I, not true. That's a mistake. And and I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Like we've we talk a lot to clients about their debts. And it's not a it's not a sexy conversation. It's not a, something that I can I make no money from talking to a client about their debts. And uh, and it's interesting when we when we say that we always try to point that out to clients that you know your your best use of money is to not owe as much as you owe last year. And it's it, you know it's it's not the most uh, popular opinion. You know lots of people would say well when when money was cheap especially and that you could borrow money at two percent and then you could make ten percent on your money. Well that's a great trade off and you can make the difference. Yeah except when rates go up and the markets go down, right? Yeah. So which happened in in 2022 and uh, 2023 yep. for the most part. So yep. it, you know. Good seasoned financial advice is always valuable, I believe, and I think that's all-encompassing in terms of whether it's real estate financial advice, um, investment financial advice, insurance. Like they're all good advice as long as it's people that are, you know, properly positioned to give you independent, you know, third-party advice, and they're not just trying to sell you whatever's on their shelf right there. So as, as Which, far as I'm by concerned, the way, I mean, is very similar to the conversation I have all the time. We could have this uh, as another episode. Is um, you know, the difference between walking into TD and saying, I want to talk to the bank manager about a mortgage versus calling um, a mortgage broker who's yep. going to find you the best mortgage from whatever bank that is. And very similar to a financial advisor instead of, I, I mean, the like I said, the one time I had a client who's like, oh, I'm just going to talk to my financial advisor. Oh, great. Maybe I know them. And they're like, no, it's at the branch over it. And I, I was like, huh. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I'm sure it was great and they were lovely, you know, like they're smart people. It's just I just always think to myself, you know, how can you be independent about giving someone the best advice when you've only got one thing to sell them? Yep. Right. I agree. I agree. So, I agree. Um, and on that nobody note, can sell. Yeah. On that note, nobody can sell them Dick Sporting Goods stock. Like if you think about oh, it, there it okay, is. Throw it there in there. It is. It you in. Had to. By the way, I don't know. Since the you last episode, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed. I'm actually going to look it up right now. The performance of Dicks has been unbelievable. Um, it's really <laughs> like, do it's I been this like I don't. It's good that I'm recording this. So let's yeah. just uh, you know, you know what? I'm going to share my screen. 
just sure. so that we can record this. Sure, that's great. So we can record just, it. Yeah, just so that we know. And uh, here you go. Here's Dick Sporting Goods. And um, in the last in the last two years, Dick Sporting Goods has gone, especially since we last spoke. I think we did our our call in about October or so the last uh-huh. time. So that's uh-huh. like a straight up like that's a very I would almost say like erect uh, chart uh, in terms of. You know, I almost want to leave it in and then I'll see if anybody listens to the end. <laughs> you, you're looking for, I mean, if you're looking for like, you know, people to, young people to join, there's your, there's your chart. Um, straight up. Oh, it's, it's it'd, going be straight up. it's going, it'd be someone. It'd be someone. And up. also I would say, um, yeah, no, I'm just going to leave that alone. Anyway, yeah, I thank you should. so much. Thank you, Thank so you much. for having me again. This has been great. We should do it every three months. Listen, uh, yes, we should. Um, I agree. But by the way, I also think that um, the next six months is going to be a very interesting, like, ro- like I roller agree. coaster. I don't think it's going to be straight up. I think it'll be up nope. and down. I think it's going to be a lot of, but I will say, um, you know, doing a quick check on where the markets are on both sides of us mid-year will be very interesting, maybe in the June uh, timeframe, because yep. it's already insane uh, from a real estate perspective, and the rates haven't even gone down yet. These are just based yeah. on rumors and people trying to get out there before it gets crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Well, listen, enjoy uh, the the last uh, nine days of RSP season, and if anybody yes, needs to put money yes. in. Yes. Feel free to your, give your, me a call, but otherwise will be in the show notes and um, perfect. This will come out on Sunday, so they'll have uh, four days. But yeah, 